Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, everyone. Happy Monday night, December 18th, here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. Live here for the first time in a few weeks on a Monday. Getting back on schedule, push back an hour tonight for some media availability as Rose Bowl prep is fully underway uh, for Michigan football as they prepare for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Two-man booth tonight, Anthony Broom here with our Chris Ballas. And uh, Chris, it feels like forever since you and I were on a show together. I know so it, especially without uh, Anthony or without uh, Clay or without me, whatever. Man, I've been sick for a month. I'm just happy to be back here and uh, been on, up and down. And so uh, ready to talk Rose Bowl, man, ready to get back into football. It's amazing. The season ended, what, just two or three, like three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, it feels like months so uh, as long as that season seemed to take. So, and it's not over yet, man. We are one of the fortunate few that get to cover a playoff game. That's right. All the travel accommodations are made. The credentials are in. Uh, the three of us will be there. So excited for that. We will talk about Rose Bowl prep. Got, was able to get into Schembechler Hall today and talk to Michigan players. We'll talk to coordinators on Tuesday, some more players later on this week. So we will hit on that. Michigan held its awards banquet last night. So Chris and I are going to take the opportunity to hand out our own Michigan football awards. So we'll do that as well. Talk a little bit of hoops and then take some questions at the end and get out of here in a GIF. Uh, but before we do that, I want to shout out, as you can see me wearing the, the crew neck sweatshirt here, shout out our friends over at homefieldapparel.com. You guys have heard us talk about them all football season long. They've been amazing, incredible partners for us throughout. Uh, you know, Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis, a place that we are very familiar with being now. At this point in the game, uh, they have a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, over 150 colleges to choose from, including your favorite teams. Of course, you're here for Michigan. They have a Michigan collection with uh, some incredible stuff, including this crew neck that I'm wearing here tonight. Uh, so shout out to the guys over there. You know, they're, they're dedicated to delving into the archives and history of each school. Michigan's going to the Rose Bowl in, well, it's actually 14 days from today. They've got a, a couple Rose Bowl shirts over there that are pretty awesome. Uh, you know, they find those unique logos, mascots, moments that are thoughtfully designed and uh, really incredible stuff. And as the most comfortable stuff that I have in my collection as well. So uh, head on over to homefieldapparel.com today. Maybe get some of that last minute. Holiday shopping done. Use that promo code Wolverine23. The code is good for 15% off any customer's first order over at Homefield. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code Wolverine23. And shout out to our friends in the heart of Big Ten country at Homefield Apparel. All right, Chris, uh, back in the building this week. Michigan was back practicing last week, but uh, they let us, the unclean, back in the building this week to uh, pick the brains of some of the guys there. And the tone, you know, the storyline coming into this, right, has been two trips to the college football playoff the last two years and haven't been able to get the job done for varying reasons. Uh, some people will say they practiced too much. Some people will say they overlooked TCU last year. Some people will say they didn't practice enough. But this year, it seems like the approach is a little bit different. We're hearing that they're they're doing a little more mental work this time around. You know, they want to get some of these guys fresh. We know this team 
was so banged up at the end of the year. Not necessarily guy, you know, you lose Zach Zinter, but you had a lot of guys that just had the bumps and bruises, and they're trying to keep a veteran team fairly healthy right now. So heading into what is now week two, officially of bowl prep, what are you hearing about how this team is approaching it? Yeah, as long as they stay, you know what, in good shape. And I think that's something that Ben Herbert's been responsible for and does a great job with these guys, right? Uh, he's one of the best in the business strength coaches. We've had teams in the past that have gone into bowl games that were fat and happy. And, and my podcast partner, Doug Skeen, talks about that all the time. They went into the 1992 Rose Bowl and got absolutely hammered. They were all 10 pounds heavier after eating for a month and, uh, you know, tried to get back in shape before a month before the game. Uh, didn't quite work out. So I, that will not be an issue. Uh, to me, this is more about it's it's wonderful, the mental prep and stuff like that. And But, you know, it's all about matchups in these games. And uh, Alabama's a good football team. I understand that people are going to say, well, they barely beat Auburn and they barely did this and they barely did that. But when they play, Anthony, they can play with anybody, right? So these guys on the edges are going to have to be mentally prepared to see the best edges that they've probably seen all year, with the exception maybe of Penn State, right? Chop Robinson was a nightmare for those guys and they had to change their game plan because of it. So you're hoping that they are preparing for that. And Hey, if they have to leave somebody in to chip somebody, or if they have to give these guys some help that, uh, that that's what they're working on. And that's what we're hearing is that they are really studying the film and doing a really good job of that. So, um, to me, that's the biggest part of this is how the coaches are, are getting these guys prepared to deal with the matchups that might not be in their favor. Yeah, it's good on good this time of year. You know, all four of these teams in the playoff have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses too. But, you know, I think there's this perception among, I mean, not, I won't say Michigan fans in general, but a lot of people are under the assumption that if something doesn't look easy, that it means doom and gloom for Michigan. But, you know, that just means you have to work. You know, what does Jim Harbaugh always say? If you want to get better at something, you work a little harder at it. Uh, I like, you know, the mental reps is a big part of it right now. We talked to Junior Colson early did, earlier today, and he said even in his downtime, he does not go anywhere without his iPad right now. You know, they have access to practice film and Alabama film and all the things they need to prepare for this game. Guys are taking it seriously, you know, just because you're not being as physical. You know, they're they're picking and choosing their spots. I think the, the overarching takeaway is that, yes, they're staying in shape. They're taking care of their bodies. They're going through treatment. But, you know, they're going to be kind of targeted in the areas where they look to, you know, crank things up over the next few weeks. Of course, they'll have a full week of practice this week. You'll have the holidays on uh, Monday and Tuesday, the Christmas holiday. And then I think from there they leave, what, the 26th, the 27th? So it's here It's here before you know it. It's It's been a long two weeks. At the same time, it, it feels like it's, it's flying by. Um, you know, we talked to J.J. McCarthy earlier today, and he said, uh, and I'll just read his quote here. He says, I think the last couple of years, I felt like we fell victim to paralysis by overanalysis and just getting over detailed with too many things and overthinking things. These first couple of weeks, we really just took things kind of light, easing into things, and it's kind of uh, been helping keep things fresh every single day. I think that's going to be the different, biggest difference in keeping a balance. Uh, Chris, so often when you have a team, you know, you, there's a process for a lot of teams, a lot of programs in learning what it takes to get through that glass ceiling in the postseason. You know, we see it, uh, think of local examples, you know, the Red Wings in the nineties had to fail a couple of years in a row, and then they reap the rewards of that. That's one that pops in my head. But uh, I think for this team, the biggest key is like JJ McCarthy says, finding that balance between what worked about last year's approach or the year before his approach and what they can do to tailor it to what their needs are right now. 
Yeah. And it's so different, right? Because one year you were pretty substantial underdog and probably should have been bigger than they were in hindsight against Georgia. That was a loaded team with NFL talent all over the place. And then last year, I think there might've been some overconfidence and speaking to some of the coaches after that game, they said, this is what you get, man. Uh, They were all assuming that they were going to be playing Georgia again. And that it was just a foregone conclusion. They forgot to come out and and bring it against TCU. They got behind and couldn't come all the way back. So, uh, and of course uh, there were some, game plan issues as well in that game clearly uh, when you give up that many points and jj mccarthy didn't play well any if any one of those things goes differently they still win that football game but they didn't so now you've got a completely different challenge i think you're right in the middle right where some people are expecting you to win some people aren't and uh this is what a lot of people think is a 50 50 game including the people betting in vegas so um, to me, it comes down to, uh, yeah, it's about preparation. Uh, there's no question about it, but um, they aren't going to be looking over- overlooking Alabama, number one, and they understand what the SEC is all about, having played the SEC's best a couple of years ago and understanding that Alabama is playing good football. At least they did last week to get here. And uh, no, they didn't play their best game against Auburn, and they were very, very fortunate to win. But how many teams that have been very, very fortunate to squeak past somebody all of a sudden, you know what, take advantage of that and win it all? or or play even better the next week, uh, having a new lease on life. It happens all the time. So this is a very, very good football team. They understand that. They aren't going to be looking past them. They aren't overconfident. So uh, that's an interesting and new dynamic this year. Well, it, it kind of goes hand in hand too with, uh, we saw the story that came out from Bruce Feldman on Monday where, you know, again, oh, uh, what it's the year of the anonymous Big Ten coach, right? And Oh, well, Michigan didn't look right down the stretch. And, oh, maybe they've lost steam, lost momentum. I think we we talk about this all the time where in the span of any season, you're going to have at least one or two of those, as I coined them, again, kids earmuffs, the oh shit games where you yeah. are lucky to get out with a victory. And those last three games of the regular season, uh, you could maybe put all of those in that category considering Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. You know, J.J. McCarthy was banged up. Uh, you know, you find out the day before you leave – on the trip somewhere uh, that, you know, either Jim Harbaugh suspended or Chris Partridge is fired. And, you know, again, I I think there's a lot to be said about surviving all of that and being able to still win, get yourself into this position where, you know, I do think that the taking a step back and making sure you're getting the bodies right and, and getting the mind right and just go out there and play football. You know, there's no talk, you know, talk to JJ McCarthy today. Remember last year around this time, those guys and JJ was part of it too talking about the smash fest against TCU and we can't wait to run it, you know, run against that weird front. And, um, you know, again, to use your term or to use uh, Doug Skeen's term, little fat and happy and you got punched in the mouth. And again, had nothing to do with the signs. It was, they played really on, un- there was, it was unfocused, undisciplined football that day and uh, super uncharacteristic. But I think this has been all about them locking in because if they do just show up on January one, and play football and play good football, I think they have a really good chance to win, just like they've had every week this year. Yeah, and really the only oh shit game where, you know what, everybody thought, boy, this is a lot closer than it's supposed to be, was the Maryland game. And part of that was because J.J. McCarthy was playing on one leg. Uh, We had gotten, as I wrote today, we had gotten word the night before that he might not even go. Uh, We figured that he would because that's how tough he is. But the kid, after the game, you could see could barely walk, uh, number one. He couldn't move very well. Uh, There was a lot of pain there. And uh, now he's going to be 100% going into this game. But you know what? Iowa was ugly. But you know what? There was never any danger. Uh, Anthony, when they went up 10 to nothing, we 
all looked at each other and we said game over, right? <laughs> Barring some kind of a disaster. Yeah. And uh, we all knew that they were going to win that game. Ohio State was going to be a 50-50 game. And uh, they came out on top of that. And um, to me, that was the one uh, the one game was the Maryland game. And they were up big in that game. And I thought they kind of yeah. lost their focus a little bit. And really, they played well in early parts of the Iowa game, too, and kind of lost their focus uh, as well. So um, I don't have any I don't have any concerns about this team in terms of, OK, when you have these idiot coaches saying, well, there's a reason, you know, that look at McCarthy isn't all that, you know, well, A, it was backloaded schedule with three unbelievable defenses in the last four or five games there, right? Uh, fantastic. Some of the best defenses in the country. Uh, number two, he's not playing at 100%. So, no, it didn't have anything to do with, you know what, knowing the signals and knowing when they're blitzing and when they're not and so on and so forth. That's idiotic. And really the only ones clinging to that still, like I've said many times, are the rivals and maybe a couple of the Big Ten coaches. The narrative has completely disappeared because they've won those games. Michigan does not have to beat Alabama for that narrative to disappear completely. But I'll tell you what, if they do beat Alabama, then and anybody who continues to talk after that is going to look like even more of an idiot. Yeah, I think we both uh, we both wrote something about that on Monday. We but did. yeah, why did it look different? Uh, maybe it has to do with the fact that they played the number one, the number two, the number five ranked defenses in the country. After that, uh, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, and mind you, and they don't talk about this when they throw the anonymous quotes out there. Michigan covered the spread in all of those games, right. which again, right. it's not always an indicator of game performance and things like that, but. Still handled your business. Uh, still, when when the lights were the brightest, made the plays needed to win. And that's again, if they, I hate to boil it because you know we're gonna you know a lot of analysis, a lot of content over the next few weeks about this game. But I'll give you the the long and the short of it right here. If they play well, they'll probably win. If they don't, they'll probably lose. There you yeah. go. If now they can play, yeah, they could play well and still lose this game too. If Alabama plays really well as well, I see somebody over here mm -hmm. saying Alabama's a good team, but the matchups favor Michigan. I don't think the matchups favor Michigan on their offense versus their defense. I look at the secondary for Alabama. Uh, I think they're going to do okay covering the Michigan receivers, and I think they're going to be able to bring a safety into the box, which is going to be a struggle for Michigan to run the ball. Michigan, everybody's like, well. Alabama's a little softer on the interior and teams have run on them, but Michigan hasn't run on many teams this year. That's the problem, Anthony. It's like you look at Nebraska and that's the way the way they played against Nebraska and ran the ball against Nebraska was the way I expected them to run the ball all year. And it just wasn't that there were so many inefficient plays. And Jim Harbaugh was saying, well, you know, it's you know, it wasn't going to always be like the last two years. And he's absolutely right about that. But some of the things that those Big Ten coaches uh, said as well, did carry some weight. I don't think they're as good at center. Uh, the tackles are not pass blocking well enough. And I think that's a strength of Alabama's is getting to the quarterback on the edge. So we saw how it changed the game plan against Penn state. That's something that Michigan's going to have to improve upon. So that's why I think it'll be a lower scoring game. When you talk about matchups, I don't think Alabama is going to be moving up and down the field on this Michigan defense, uh, but they do provide a different challenge as well. in that they've got a quarterback that is big and strong and can run. And you know, damn well, they're going to be running them against Michigan. And, and doing some things to move the ball that way. Yeah, a lot of people have been wondering what Alex Orgy's role on this team is going to be this year. Well, he's it, his role is playing Jalen Miller for four exactly. weeks. That's what they have him doing right now, and it sounds like they're getting a lot of good looks out of it as well. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Again, I think when we look at those two semifinal games, I think most of the points scored in the semifinal games are going to come in that second game of the day with those two explosive offenses. But I can see this one being a little more of a meat grinder in Again, you know, just you have to at the end of the day, you just have to show up and play well and give yourself a chance from there. So uh, any other thoughts on we're going to talk to obviously the coordinators on Tuesday. We'll talk to more guys later this week. But 
Is there anything in particular you want to know or you'd like to hear from these guys before getting on a plane next week? No. You know, it's all a lot of it's coach speak and guys talking and, you know, it's 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 fun to talk to these guys. But what are they going to say that, you know, we don't know? Number one, uh, you know, there's not going to be any bulletin board material. It's going to be, you know, a couple of years ago, it was JJ saying, I can't wait to line up and pound these guys and so on and so forth and run the ball at them. And TCU took it personal and they came out and you know they said oh that we use that as bulletin board material blah 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 and uh you know what but there's not really anything that i can point to and say okay now if these some of these guys these seniors said hey i'm coming back next year or something that'd be great you know that'd be fun but as it pertains to the game anthony it's really not a one of those things where um they're going to say anything enlightening and that's really just kind of the way it is so uh, there'll be a lot of fluff and a lot of respect for the sec so on and so forth um, and to me, it comes down to, again, um, how are they going to move the ball? And I think a lot of that's going to come to JJ McCarthy, somebody over here saying McCarthy is hundred percent healthy. We knew that, um, will JJ scramble more? I think he needs to, I think they need to really employ more with his feet and with his arm. Uh, Josh, uh, I don't think there's any question about it. And this is going to be a game in which he has to shine. If Michigan is going to win. Yeah, the, the other thing I do like about the layoff is that it almost, again, it's different because they had the first week off and they're not doing things quite as physically right now, but it almost serves as a time to reestablish what you're all about. And for me, I think the mental work, I think probably will benefit the offensive line the most because I, I think what we've seen is that that's a group that's pretty capable, especially the tackles. I think they can play much better than they have, but it's been sloppy stuff. It's been um, some uncharacteristic kind of lack of attention to detail, like we talked about earlier. So the mental reps, you know, getting them in the lab, getting things right, getting your fundamentals down because Alabama's a team. I mean, uh, we know Nick Saban, Bill Belichick kind of tied at the hip in terms of their football lives. That's a team you make any mistake, they will pounce on you and you will pay dearly for it. So um, yeah, that's, we'll, we'll see what happens. A lot to sift through, a lot to discuss with them later this week. Uh, Lewis Blake says, Anthony, are you going to the game? Isn't Michigan undefeated when you watch them in person? So, yeah, I'm not trying to, like, make a big deal out of this, but I have not seen – just by circumstance, I didn't see any of the games during the COVID season. There were some travel snafus the last few years, but I have not seen Michigan lose a game in person since the last time they played Alabama in that Citrus Bowl in Orlando. So, again, I'm not making any grand proclamations, but – uh, let's just say there's a reason that uh, I moved heaven and earth to make sure I wasn't missing the Rose Bowl this year. Hopefully so. you got a good flight, and if you didn't, we will come and send somebody for you, a bus <laughs> or something. Uh, last time I went to the Rose Bowl, believe it or not, I took a bus, and that was uh, in 19 after the 1989 season, uh, and it was my second year at Michigan. And, uh, you know, flights were ridiculous, and we decided to take a bus. It was the worst decision I ever made in my life uh, in terms of uh, – you want to talk about dregs of society – uh, it was, uh, and we fit right in. Don't get me wrong. You know, so but we were right was, at home uh, there. Yeah. There was weed and there was hard stuff and there were, you know, people with peg legs and everything else. And, uh, it was crazy, but, um, now we'll be flying out there, whatever it takes to get you there, man, planes, trains, or automobiles. Uh, cause we missed you last year, man, in Arizona. We did. It's not the same when you're not there. Uh, we have a great time. Uh, these guys, these young guys, folks used to make fun of me for saying, hey, we're going to have fun. And uh, but damn it, it's fun. Uh, when we get out there, we go. We've been to crab houses this year. We've been, uh, oh, you know, watch, watching say, Chris Ballas play whack-a-mole with the, the crabs <laughs> in, in Maryland. It's a sight to behold. So and we want to go to Houston, yeah. damn it. So you need to be there and we'll make sure you get there. Oh, 
hey, from your lips to the, the the ears of the football gods. I will say I am kind of not to give away my itinerary, but I am planes, trains, and automobiling it back uh, home from LA. Got to fly into Chicago and then uh, get a ride with Gus Polinski and the 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 Kenosha Kickers into Detroit somehow. So polka polka um, polka was a hit. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move into uh, ad read number two of the night. Our pals over at Lewis Jewelers. Simple question, guys. Uh, this is this is critical, and and hopefully you haven't run out of time yet before Christmas here. But is your daughter's engagement ring bigger than your wife's? If the answer is yes, great news. Lewis Jewelers can help. It's stress free and easy working with their non commissioned expert of trusted advisors finding that perfect diamond. So stop by today. Fix this family issue. Don't let it be a thing. You don't want it to be a thing at the table on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whenever you get together. So head on over to Lewis Jewelers, your diamond store, and so much more since 1921. Visit them at their new location. It's been there for a bit now, but 300 South Maple Road in Ann Arbor or online at lewisjewelers.com. Uh, thank you to Lewis Jewelers for your sponsorship of not only the Wolverine podcast, but uh, our operation in general. And uh, yeah, go over, uh, see them at South Maple Road, th uh, 300 South Maple Road in Ann Arbor, uh, thanks to the folks over there. All right, Chris, uh, yesterday was the Michigan Football Awards Banquet. Uh, handed out some hardware, handed out hardware to multiple guys in single categories, which we will not be doing, but we do have our own awards to hand off to kind of, we'll move out of awards season now and transition into bowl prep and all that type of stuff. So I uh, have a couple of quick fire categories here to get to. The first one we will start with is we'll just start with the, the MVP, the most valuable guy on this team, offense, defense, special teams, towel boy, water boy, science stealer, whatever it is. Who is your MVP of the 2023 Wolverines? It's JJ McCarthy, right? Uh, there's no question in my mind as a leader, uh, what he did with this offense and, and just a winner. Uh, they followed him. Now they're, Plenty of guys that are were important to the operation, but if you took one of them out, could they have survived? Yes, probably. Uh, they could have gotten by, not without J.J. McCarthy. Uh, that made him the most valuable, no contest. Not just that, but he is one of the most pleasant and uh, genuine people that we have ever covered, and for a superstar especially, just uh, just unique in that sense. Tom Brady was the same back in the day. And now that was a little, uh, I wasn't covering him full-time at that point, but uh, in the limited amount of time that we spent with him, uh, just really, really special guy. JJ McCarthy is in that same league MVP all the way. I saw a quote or a, a question or a comment, I should say uh, words are hard this evening uh, from Odaba traveler who said, Mikey Sainer still should have won it. That is my pick because Ooh. I, that guy, Again, Michigan didn't play a lot of close games early this year, but over the course of this season, whenever they've needed a big play, when they've needed a key turnover to flip momentum or flip the whatever it is, Mikey Sainer still has delivered for them. And to the point where, again, you forget that he started his career at a different position. I mean, not only does he look like a natural, but he looks like the best nickel in college football. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me to support that or not, but believe uh, six interceptions on the year, four or five interceptions, whatever it was, just these key plays in critical moments. And to me, uh, two-time team captain, those guys have to be tone setters. Those guys have to be playmakers. And Mikey Sainer still has been that and and then some this year. I just continue to, uh, you know, with what he's done for this program, he's a guy that you, I think you put in that conversation with Aiden Hutchinson and Blake Corum and, you know, the list goes on and on of these, 
know, these pillars of the program over the last few years. So yeah, he'd that would be, be my, my pick for MVP. He'd be my choice for defensive MVP. Uh, no contest there either, in my opinion. I he's right there, and uh, what he did and what he's done in his career here is fantastic. Love those three star guys that uh, that develop and are better than people give them credit for coming in. He's he was outstanding. What a captain. Yeah, the thing about, again, this is why National Signing Day, of course, coming up this week. This is why I don't trip about recruiting rankings or anything like that. This staff has gone out and not only find guys, you know, in those those lesser known areas of the country or the lesser recruited guys, the low four stars, the high three stars, and they've turned them into linchpins of this program. So uh, the fact that you are sticking, that you have him as your defensive MVP, I will just go to that one right now, too. Yep. Uh, defensive MVP, I will go with Michael Barrett. Uh, that's a guy that I think this year, again, talk about someone who's been a pillar, came back for a sixth year. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys that are in programs for six or seven years wind up being doctors or lawyers or something. But uh, Mikey Sanger still is a football player. He's a damn good football player. I'm sorry, Mike Barrett. Uh, both of those guys are tremendous football players. And, you know, I, I know there was a lot of talk coming to the, oh, well, they need to, you know, Ernest Hausman, he's going to take that job. He's, he's a quicker guy. He's a younger guy. Mm -hmm. Michael Barrett not only held him off this year, but I think he was their best overall linebacker. Not to yeah. say Junior Colson didn't play well. He did. He's another guy I think you could make an argument for here. But Michael Barrett, again, talk about the leadership, the playmaking ability, uh, as fast and as quick to the football as we've ever seen him in his Michigan career. So that's my pick here for defensive player of the year. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you said J.J. McCarthy. What else? Do you have anything more to add to the singing of his praises? Um, you know, not really. Um, I think uh, Colson Loveland was uh, was pretty imperative. It's funny because, you know, everybody assumed the backs were going to be the guys carrying the offense this year. And, and of course, they needed them. Um, but it wasn't what it's been the last couple of years. And Colson Loveland really did break out. He was, I think, a lot of everybody's choice for breakout player of the year, except for mine. I think I had Tyler Morris because I really kind of felt that, that Colson Loveland broke out as a freshman. And But to take it to the next level like he did, I saw somebody come over here with a question as well saying, hey, or a comment that that Colston Loveland is going to be a problem for the Alabama linebackers. And I think that's true at the same time, you know, there were times this year that he was bracketed and double teamed and Jim Harbaugh said that I would fully expect Alabama to go that route with him as well and try to take him out of the game. So we'll see what Michigan comes up with. But uh, to me, the fact that JJ McCarthy did it without elite wide receivers, they have good wide receivers, solid wide receivers as Michigan receivers go in terms of a core, they're not up there with the best, but JJ McCarthy, what he was able to accomplish with those guys. Uh, and again, no disrespect meant to those guys, but uh, was pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, my pick would be JJ McCarthy as well uh, in that category, Blake Corum right there uh, for all the reasons you said on McCarthy already. I mean, it's, it's, he's the total package. It's the leadership. It's the playmaking ability. It's the dual threat ability. It's the arm talent. You know, I know a lot of people look at that production and go, Oh geez, well, he's no different than a Cade McNamara or a, a Shea Patterson was. And that's, to me, that's the first sign that you're not watching the games. I mean, that that's, this is a guy who, again, even in the games where he hasn't played super well, you still look down and, oh, he was 16 for 20 for 150 yards. You know, the ball hardly touches the ground. He extend, extends plays enough to, you know, make something happen. Um, you know, as far as Blake Quorum goes, I guess you could kind of call this a shared award for me. Uh, the things that people say about, you know, maybe he's lost a step, that same juice isn't quite there. That is true, but that was also true last year. He was a guy that bulked up in order to be that lead back for Michigan. But 
you know, in a gotta have it moment in those short yardage situations in those goal line situations. I mean, he's, he's got 24 touchdowns this year. I mean, it, the proof is in the pudding. They trust that guy implicitly. And I think a month off is probably good for him too. Cause they're going to, I have no issues with them running him 30 times against Alabama. Cause I do think you can run in Alabama a little bit. So we're going to find out. Um, we're going to find we'll out. Find out. They don't run it right at them and, and say, okay, we're going to, you know, run it down your throat. They need to be creative and they need to do some things out of formations that they haven't done all year. One of the things that I wrote today that one of the big 10 coaches said, Anthony was, you know, when Max Bredesen's in the game, they said he's a good tight end when he's in the game, they're going to run the ball. Well, those things are the, the things that need to change, right? You got to put stuff yeah. on film and against Alabama, you can't just run right at them and expect, okay, uh, granted, this is not the Alabama of old. We get it. Okay, but they still have great athletes. There's a reason that they beat Georgia. There's a reason that they have all this five-star talent. And, and I mean, they're fast, they're big, they're physical. So, um, but I think Blake Corum can do some damage against this team. Uh, you know, keep pounding the rock, but do it in creative ways. Uh, run some more play action. And uh, you save, you know, they, what they've saved for Ohio State a couple of those years. You know what? Run it against Alabama. You're going to need it. Yeah, no reason to hold anything back now. So, uh, let's move to newcomer of the year. This can be transfer. This can be freshman. The guy in your eyes who made the biggest impact as a new face this season. Oh, that's a great one. Um, man, freshman or, uh, well, um, probably AJ Barner, right? I mean, some of the, the impact that he had in terms of, uh, at Michigan state had a huge game, the way he blocked, they needed that number two tight end, right? After Eric all left and AJ Barner was all that and more. I thought after the first game, he was absolutely dominant. And um, was just fantastic. So uh, very impressed with him and uh, and the impact that he made, not only what he provided in terms of physically and, and on the field, but in terms of a leadership role, uh, he really assimilated well into the culture and uh, became extremely valuable. I'm going to go with Drake Nugent here. Uh, he's a guy, obviously, that was banged up in spring ball. Didn't, you know, it seemed like that first game or two didn't get off to the, the quickest start, but quickly to me solidified into the strength of the offensive line with Zach Sinter, obviously, and Trevor Keegan on each side of him. Uh, you know, Pro Football Focus had him as, I think, the number 12 or 13 center in the country. He It was just, he was rock solid across the board. And I know that there's been a lot of hype over the years for, you know, an up and comer in Greg Crippen, who might be this team's starting center next year. He, competed with uh, Drake, uh, Drake Nugent in, in both camps this time around. But uh, Nugent, to me, was about as rock solid as it gets. And again, has a tough act to follow. You know, Olu Olu with Timmy was the best center in college football last year, best interior lineman in college football last year. I thought that Drake Nugent did a really nice job. But honorable mention in this category, I would put Samash Morgan just for, again, uh, you know, not, not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but – Seems like another one of those guys where you need him to make a play. He, you know, they, they dial something up for him. And then, you know, we see the big 10 championship game. He's returning kicks and such too. So yep. maybe that's a guy that you can explore a little more with uh, in this Alabama game. Uh, the next category here, sorry, my list went away <laughs> was position coach of the year. Uh, again, I think this would be a slam dunk. If we were opening up to coordinators, it would, I think it would obviously be Sharon Moore. You could obviously make, uh, make a case for Jesse Minter too, but I want to know a guy who specifically coaches a, a position group that you were most impressed by this year. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, Jay Harbaugh and uh, with the safeties. And I'll say this, you know, we, we understand that, um, yeah, Rod Moore coming back, right? Stud. But what he did and got out of Makari Page, Keon Saab, 
started really coming on strong uh, during the year. Quentin Johnson improved so much. Um, I see somebody saying Clink. Uh, Clink could be up there as well because Josh Wallace had a great year too. But um, Quentin Johnson was playing his best football at the end of the year. And uh, to me, what they got out of that group was they, they really got every drop uh, of what they could get out of them. I thought Jay Harbaugh did a fantastic job. So uh, I'm going to go with him. Uh, clearly it could have been a number of those guys. I, you know what? I would probably put Mike Elston up there with him as well because of what that defensive line accomplished uh, playing together. So uh, I'm going to say those two guys, uh, but really selling a lot of other guys short here because it's such a good coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I was, I was going to go with Mike Elston. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think, it wasn't too long ago where they were playing fullbacks at defensive tackle, or right. at least tried to for a little bit. And uh, you know, now they are as deep as that, at that position as any on the roster. Uh, they look at the edge guys. Again, no dominant guys like a Hutchinson or Ojabo, but the way that they had been able to to rotate. And I know a big emphasis for them this offseason was making sure that communication between the, the interior guys and the edge guys improved. Uh, and really just that front, that front seven or whatever the group is in general. And that's going to be another area where I think Alabama will test them uh, in this game in the Rose Bowl, given that mobile quarterback, you got to be disciplined. You got to communicate. You have to communicate to me. That's one of the top, maybe three reasons they lost that game to TCU last year. So to me, the way that Mike Elston has been able to not only cultivate that depth, but also develop guys. I mean, Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, it's true. Sophomores are not supposed to be as good as those two guys. Those two guys are right now. And they're they're that arrow still pointing up. It's unreal. So to me, that's I mean that's been the the secret sauce to all of this for them. Good call. So shout out to Mike Elston and uh, Steve Klinkscale as well. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go to we've got two more here. Best moment of the year, not necessarily a play, but a moment. Mm. Uh, Rod Moore's pick. Uh, you know what? It, to me, just because that was the the culmination of the every everything was relying on that one play, right? It, it was like as Doug Carr said, Michigan's play by play guy. It was you have that game was like three, right? Because everybody was saying you only won the other two games because you cheated against Ohio State, and they'd put so much on that. In fact, Ryan Day had backed himself into a corner, saying, "Well, now we know we just got to go out and win this game. Now we know why they won the other two, essentially." Uh, and that one play really you could just kind of sense the relief and you know, it all came out and, and that one play and Jalen Harrell made a play on that one too, where knocking off, knocking over the, uh, the, the guard, you know, but later says he tripped, you know, he tripped cause he got knocked on his ass because Jalen Harrell <laughs> ran him over, hits the quarterback, uh, Rod Moore. To me, that was the biggest moment. Um, and uh, Sharon Moore doing it uh, was, was fantastic. I'd put the Penn state uh, game right up there with it when uh, Sharon, uh, celebrated. You could sense the relief on him after the game as well. A couple of cuss words that got him in trouble with his mama, but uh, you know what? That was uh, that was fun to watch as well. Yeah, had to drop a few cents in the swear jar, I'm sure. But yep. uh, best moment for me again, not that uh, it, losing Zach Sinter was was devastating, and I think yeah. it's really gonna. That's a big thing to overcome here in this college football playoff. But from a moment perspective, mm -hmm. everything from the "Let's Go Zach" chant to Blake Corum putting up the 6-5 in the end zone after he scores the next play from scrimmage. To me, I mean, that was something that's right out of a movie. There's so much talk about, oh, the, the last couple of years of Michigan-Ohio State, that's been cinematic. That was, to me, I mean, Rod Moore's moment was one of those moments. That was the, you know, the swelling finale to the whole scene. But uh, that Michigan-Ohio State game, I've gone back and watched it a few times now. Maybe not quite as much as <laughs> we went back and watched the last few. 
but that moment, that whole sequence was, uh, was incredible. Uh, so that's my moment of the year. Last one, Chris, best play of the year. So any individual play that sticks out from any of these games, man, um, you know, Rod Moore again, calling game, you know, it's tough for me to, you know, and I get it. It's the obvious one, but for me, Rod Moore, Ohio kid, uh, saying before the before the play, somebody's gonna uh, gotta call a game. It needs to be me or somebody else. But I, you can kind of sense that he was calling his number, and uh, and to make that play. And a lot of people had said, you know what, he didn't really live up to expectations this year, so on and so forth, and he'd been hurt. Uh, but that play right there uh, to call game and to deliver in the biggest game of the year, an Ohio kid in that game who was overlooked by Ohio State. To me, uh, that's the one. Yeah, to me, it's two plays, but it happened in the two rivalry games where the J.J. McCarthy touchdown throws where hmm. he notices for a split second that a defender turns his back and he fires it in there. Uh, two of his best throws of the season, one was against Michigan State, the other was obviously in that Ohio State game. Uh, again, turn on the film. This isn't a guy that's just managing games. He's not just you know taking the snap and handing it off to the running back. I mean, when the moment calls for it, He's made those big plays this year in those big time moments. So to me, uh, probably more specifically the Michigan State one, just given one, the fact that it was an ass whooping and two, that it was that first game after all of those allegations came out and then he comes out uh, and puts up a clinic. But then again, um, maybe any quarterback on the roster could have done that that day. But J.J. McCarthy was the one that did it and looked tremendous doing it. So uh, any honorable mentions, any other hardware that Chris Ballas wants to hang uh, hand out from this season? Nah, I think that's good. I, how about James Turner as the unsung hero of the season uh, with his field goals, huge field goals in the Ohio State game. If you told me before the season that he would be the special teams player of the year for Michigan over Tommy Doman, who also had an outstanding year, uh, I just said, boy, then you're in pretty good shape. But the way that he his kicks in those games were absolutely crucial. And uh, and kudos to him for stepping in and making those uh, when they needed them. They don't win that game without him. I can't argue with that at all. If I was giving out an unsung hero award, that's probably the one. So, uh, well, let's move quickly and emphasis on quickly because things still aren't uh, super, super uh, relaxed here yet. But Michigan basketball uh, has their first win streak of the year since starting three, you know, Obviously, the win over Iowa last Sunday, went over Eastern Michigan this weekend. Juwan Howard was back this weekend. It's It seems like I don't want to say the drama is in the rearview mirror for now because John Sanderson is still not with the program, question mark. We'll see if he travels to the Jumpman Invitational. But uh, things are now, quote unquote, back to normal, so to speak. Uh, you look at this five-game stretch that's coming up, and this is really just what I wanted to hit on is I think for Michigan's outlook the rest of this year, these next five games are everything. You're going to play this Tuesday night game in Charlotte, neutral neutral floor against Florida, a team that's 7-3 and three right now. You're going to have 10 days and play in McNeese, which, again, they've shown that by games are not a guarantee for them uh, the last few years, but you would think you'd be able to grab that one, and then you've got those games at home against Minnesota, then you go to the Palestra to play Penn State in January, followed by a game on the road against Maryland. So you look at this five-game stretch here, and – if we're going to have any type of conversation about them figuring this year out, it's four and one or five and zero, oh, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I I'm almost five and zero. Oh. If you if you really want to make the tournament and get really 
back, you know, where you need to be. And it really starts with Florida. You know, it's a good basketball team, a solid basketball team. They really crashed the glass. So I enjoyed your column on that today. I agreed with it. And I think this is the one that is really going to propel you kind of like Michigan state with Baylor, right? That was the one where that kind of brought them back from the dead. And I kind of feel like this is the kind of the similar situation with Michigan here. So um, they did a great job bouncing back against Iowa when you had all of that. Uh, I don't expect John Sanderson back based on, you know, the things that we've heard and what's been going on with that program uh, anytime soon. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, to, for them to overcome that and do what they did to Iowa to me was pretty damn impressive. So if they can do it tomorrow, uh, I think it's going to be a tight one. You know what, come down, coming down the stretch, I think it's going to be one of those games that they're going to have to pull out and hopefully they've learned how to pull out these games in the last couple of minutes uh, better than they have in the recent past. I think the biggest thing too, is that you start to, when there's at least some sort of extended run of success, again, two game, a two game win streak is nothing, but you look at some of the things the, the shared traits of those two wins it was that ever, you know, you had multiple guys scoring. You had, you know, a lot of, you know, double digit scorers. I think six of them in each of the last two games. I mean, to me, that's, it's important to know that, and Olivier Kamwa uh, said this after the game that, you know, good teams need to have those guys that pick up the other guys when the shots aren't falling. And last year, if Jet Howard didn't play well, if Hunter Dickinson didn't play well, that was curtains for them. If Kobe Bufkin didn't play well, that was curtains for them. But, you know, you have a guy in Doug McDaniel who I think has played pretty well, all things considered, uh, as a second-year point guard. Terrace Reed is starting to figuring out, you know, figure it out a little bit lately. Kamwa has been the guy that they would hope hoped he would be. You know, they could somehow by hook or by crook, you watch their offensive sets. Sometimes they struggle to shoot, and you're like, I have no idea how this team scored 80 points tonight, but they've been able to do it, and their offensive profile is actually pretty good. But the three ball, it's, it's, the three it's ball the has been falling, right, Anthony? Yeah. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. Um, so it's been that and also defensively still super inconsistent there. I mean, just if they can just find a way to be slightly below average on defense, you're not even asking the world out of them. But yeah. Get a couple stops in a big moment. You might yep. be able to again. We know it's not this Big Ten is not as strong as it has been, but every night out is pretty much a chance at a, a resume win uh, to some extent. Tomorrow night is the last chance for a resume win in non-conference play. And I think the key to if you can get out of this non-conference slate or this pre-New Year slate at eight and five, the analytics say if you could just go ten and ten in Big Ten play, you're probably making the NCAA tournament. So this yeah. is where tomorrow's night game is. Uh, you know, you don't want to call them must wins on December nineteenth, but given that they've already let a bunch of them slip through their fingers, it does feel that way. Yep, that was a great column you wrote, and I agreed with it 100%. So uh, well, maybe they'll be better defensively with Juwan Howard back now, too. You know what? Uh, a little more cohesion. And I don't think there's going to be as much confusion on the bench as to who they're supposed to be listening to. And, uh, you know, hopefully that goes with for the officials as well when they're handing out their technical fouls. So, <laughs> all right, we got quick questions here, man. I got 11% battery left and a quiche in the oven here, so we should probably do that. All right, well, we, we, we will tend to that here. We'll take the first question here from Antoine Johnson. Says any word on Damani Jackson? What's the likelihood of us picking him up? Have you heard anything? Uh, yeah, well, he's not officially in the portal yet, but Chris. yeah, but uh, Michigan. We've heard Alabama's name in there as well. Michigan was really strong with him, as you know. Uh, going back, we do believe that Michigan will have a shot here. Uh, the question to me is, how good is he? Right. <laughs> so uh, now, and also the other question is. 
uh, with admissions, right? Because he's a sophomore. Uh, is, is he going to be able to transfer over? Uh, that's another, it's usually freshmen or it's seniors uh, and really not a whole lot in between unless guys are accelerated and uh, he's not going to have graduated by the time he leaves USC. So that to me is going to be one of the detriments to landing him. So, uh, but there will be other guys in, and we've, we've mentioned some of them, uh, the kid from Western Kentucky, some other corners in the portal that they're looking at. So um, there will be other options as well. Uh, I want to take this one from the board uh, from Go Blue Guy, who says, how big of a difference will Alabama signing George Hilo have on things? Just a change in the signs or something more significant? What do you think? Uh, Michigan's actually, Michigan, unlike some of the people that bitch about them nonstop, mm -hmm. changes their signs. So right. I don't see that being a huge issue. I mean, I think operationally, he look, oh, well, Jesse likes to do X in X situation, but you know, you watch, you, you pick up that stuff from being on film anyway. So yeah. I don't know that it's a, it's a huge deal. I agree. Um, again, I, he hasn't worked, you know, if it was Chris Partridge that went and signed at Alabama, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well maybe something that, that doesn't feel right. But guy hasn't worked at Michigan in a year. Uh, there was a parting of ways and, you know, back in the winter and Michigan and Alabama are, are much different teams than they were back then. So yeah, I mean, they certainly are. Big, I, I don't. It's a it's a social media headline. It's juicy, but I think I it stops think there. I don't me. think it's a big deal either. I would agree with you 100. Uh, let's go to another one from the board, uh, Chris. You can stop me if you've heard this one before. Someone wants to know what's the latest on the Jim Harbaugh contract. Uh, if it doesn't get done this week, guys, then I think he's going to be flirting heavily with the NFL. I almost expect that at this point, based on what we've heard recently. We'll have an update on that at the Wolverine tomorrow. Ward Manuel was down in Miami watching um, the Dolphins play the Jets, so I don't think they were working on it a whole lot this week. He missed the banquet as well, and it's not like we're expecting him to sit there and you know hammer it out and uh, you know and say you know be on the phone constantly on a Sunday. But I really expected him at the banquet, uh, showing his support for that team. So uh, that was kind of a disappointment in, in my opinion, but uh, you know what? Um, I think Jim Harbaugh has got an itch. I really do. And uh, it's nothing that, um, that any jock itch spray or anything like that is going to get rid of. He's, he wants to win the Lombardi trophy. And to me, he's accomplished a ton here. And uh, if, again, if they don't sign him before they leave Pasadena, according to the people that we've spoken with, then you would probably imagine something's going to go into uh, January and February again. Yeah, my thing with this is that once you've forfeited, you, you've forfeited the right to be upset with his timeline when you didn't get this done when you were working on it halfway through this year, when you didn't get it done back in the winter when it should have been agreed to in the first place. Um, and, and the timing of it, I mean, again, it sucks that the NCAA stuff popped up, but you know, now that we're here, I mean, Black Monday in the NFL is now, I believe, three weeks from today. It's, you know, from a, if I'm Jim Harbaugh's representation, I'm not signing anything until I explore all avenues yeah. and we'll see what happens. I think that the job that to me is probably would probably be the most appealing to him is now open uh, with the, the Los Angeles chargers, but you know, anyone who's anyone is going to be interested in that job. And there are a lot of people questioning whether or not the chargers are willing to pay up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I think at this point, it's weird to say that Jim Harbaugh has quote unquote earned the right to see this through. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I mean, ride this season out and see what happens. And if nothing materializes, you sign it on January 15th yeah. or whatever the hell. And yep. if something does materialize, 
Throne more, come on down. So that's, that's where I am. And he shares an agent with uh, Tom Brady, by the way, and Don Yee, who is now Tom Brady, is also part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's one I'll be watching as well. So, all right, one more question here before my computer dies. All right, uh, let's go to – I going to take one from the board, but there's a lot of people arguing with each other today. So I got you. Maybe we just call it there. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we will be back Thursday uh, to not only take another take another look at the Rose Bowl, but also uh, last show before the holiday, a little bit of a holiday layoff for us, and then we get on a plane next week. So uh, thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to like and subscribe. Um, use that promo code UM1 to get two months of access uh, for our YouTube viewers only. Uh, two months of access to the website for a dollar. Be sure to take advantage of that. A lot of intel coming from our end of things. Uh, Guys, thank you so much uh, for your time. We will talk to you again next time around. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.